Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Good morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Begin in the first verse of Mark 7. If you're visiting us today, uh, we're grateful, A, that you worship Jesus, and B, that you chose to privilege us by being with us today. And we hope you feel comfortable and welcome to be here. Uh, We are in this lengthy series through the Gospels, taking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and trying to put them together in a time frame that we can estimate uh, it most likely occurred, and looking at the entirety of Jesus' life so we understand him better, and by understanding him better, understand God's plan for us uh, within that series. Uh, So I want to ask you this morning, as you're getting Mark chapter 7 ready and you're giving your gifts to advance the work of the kingdom, uh, have you ever tried to impress someone with how you feel about them, whether it's platonic or romantic? It doesn't always have to be romantic, but there's someone that you care about, you want them to know you care about them, and you try to do something for them that would make an impact. Have you ever tried that and whiffed, like totally missed? You know what I mean? You, you wanted to do something that let them know how much you thought of them and uh, how important they were and how you're paying attention and it did none of the above. Well, I've known a girl for 34 years and my failures to uh, do that are more than I can count. And I can probably think of two times I may have gotten it right. But while dating her for three years and before we became married, I, I want to be very careful because I, I still have to live with her. She's not hard to please. I'm really dense. And what I've learned by knowing this girl for 34 years is that I've learned more from my failures than I've ever had the limited success. But here's how I figured it out. So if you're taking notes today, Mark Christian's uh, relationship advice doesn't come often, it's coming today. (laughs) Gentlemen, if you want to know what your girl really wants, ask her. Second step, (laughs) then do it. (laughs) All right? Ladies, can I have an amen if I'm anywhere close? Okay. So here's the, cl- the, the beginning lesson, ladies. We're never going to guess you. You're just a completely different breed of animals than us. We have no idea what you want. So when we ask you, please don't penalize us. Because believe it or not, we have tried. In fact, that's what most of our excuses are, is we try, we fail, you, you're disappointed, and our only response is, and it's not a good one, is, at least I tried. And that, listen, every guy in here is like, me too. Yeah, so, so it is universal. So here's what I want you to understand. If you care about a friend, if you care about someone you love, there's, there's two steps to understanding how to please them. Ask them and then do it. So what does that have to do with anything? It has absolutely to do with our text today. Because in Mark chapter 7, there's a group of people that are questioning why Jesus is doing what he's doing. And his r- simple response is this, I know what my God wants and I'm going to do that for him, not for you. When we talk about this word today, we're going to use a big word in Christianity. It's the word tradition. It's a word that can light up a room in a heartbeat. It's caused more fights and more church splits than any of us would ever like to confess. In the history of the church, it's been a divisive issue, the word tradition. Now, some traditions are fantastic. Your family traditions at Christmas, most of them make your heart beat. Your birthday traditions, the way you celebrate as a family, vacations, and what you do on vacations. It took me no time to realize that my boys see me as a dessert man on vacation. I like that role. I didn't volunteer for that, but I'm the guy who's going, we need ice cream, and off we'd go. That is tradition I want to protect for the rest of my life. 
Other traditions I've experienced in Christianity have been burdensome, caused splits, heartache, and anger. Jesus is going to address that today. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the elders. Verse 5. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Traditions. Jesus, why don't you do it our way? We like our way. We think our way is best. And you're not doing it. And because you're not doing it our way, you're not doing it the right way. Isn't that how every tradition sounds? Why don't you do it the way we want you to do it? How come you're doing it different? Who gave you permission to do it different? How come the way we've always done it isn't good enough for you? Traditions. It's a volatile subject. But before we get to the stage of saying, you know, those people, we're not going to go those people today. We're going to talk about these people. The people gathered here today. So my grandmother taught me a long time ago, don't preach to people who aren't in the room. It's a pretty good piece of advice. So I want to talk to us today. I don't think this church is a tradition-laden church. So I am so grateful that I get to speak freely about this without worrying about the repercussions of it. Because this isn't. We change things a lot because we change as a church a lot. But our traditions that we hold to, we hope bring God honor. And isn't that what a tradition was intended to do from the beginning? And if we think about it, that's why we have traditions. They are honorable activities that we do to bring honor. The question of the morning is, to who do they bring honor? Do they bring honor to the people performing them? Or do they bring honor to God himself? This seems to be the gist of the question asked that morning. The Pharisees ask him directly, why don't you do it the way we want it done? This morning what I'd like to do is pose three suggestions about traditions that we can think about in our own application. The first is this. Honor doesn't come from traditions. It comes from glorifying. So if we're going to honor God, if we're going to do what God's asked us to do, the things that bring him pleasure, it's not the way we do them. It's why we do them. It's not the traditions in the way we do them. It's the glorifying God in why we do them. And when we can get those two separated, some traditions remain and other traditions ought to die. The religious leaders of Jesus' day had a very simple technique. The rabbis would call it fence building. And this isn't in the Old Testament law, but let's just make up something ludicrous and tell you an example that gives an illustration. If God said you can't go three feet near a tree, the rabbis would then make a rule that said you can't go seven feet near a tree because you can't be trusted to do what you're supposed to do. So we, because we're more noble than you, we're going to create an honor code that if you stay seven feet away, and oh my goodness, if you really love God, you'll stay 20 feet away. That the further you get away from what God really asked you to do, the more honor you draw to yourself. Jesus would not comply. They wanted submission. They wanted Jesus to look at their rules and go, well, those rules are good rules, and because you're the religious leaders, I'm going to honor it. And Jesus would not do that. He, didn't, he doesn't deny their allegations. They come to him and they say, hey, your disciples aren't washing their hands. You see, you were to wash your hands when you went toward the altar. There was a bowl, and it was ceremonially washed their hands so that they would come with clean hands before God. And the, 
the rabbis had created this fence that said, no, 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 you need to wash your hands in all of these moments in life to remind yourself to be clean. Now, was that a bad idea? No, if it has meaning. But it didn't have meaning toward God. It only had meaning toward the religious leaders. You see, they didn't question Jesus about doing something morally or ethically wrong. They questioned him about not honoring their desires. And that's why churches have been devastated by traditions that have no meaning. Because it, it allows you to justify who's in and who's out. You see, we don't have to guess what pleases God. We just have to listen to Jesus. And if we listen today, we won't be talking about those people. We'll be talking about us. So, traditions that honor us don't always honor God. Second, honor doesn't come from position, but from submission. God doesn't come from, or honor doesn't come from position, it comes from submission. And let me explain what I mean by that. Position, a better word might be posturing. It is very easy for people, including myself, it's very easy for me to posture myself in public in such a way that I will give off the illusion that I'm pursuing God when actually what I wanted at the end of the day was to give off the illusion. That I could make you think by going into a restaurant and lowering my head and closing my eyes and pausing before I eat, I can give the impression that I'm praying when in reality I might just be withholding a sneeze. But people will be looking across the room going, oh, look at that dude, must be a believer. I can carry around a 42-pound Bible made of real paper, which requires a back strap, it's so big. I can carry that around wherever I go and never open it. I can wear Christian t-shirts, have Christian bumper stickers. I can go to Christian concerts. Church, I can go all day on this. If the end of the day I'm positioning myself to appear to be something I'm not actually pursuing, then Jesus would look at that and say, why? Are you doing this for the applause of men? So you can position yourself and not be in submission. Jesus has been calling for the last six weeks. He's been calling us to believe. And belief is not admitting he's right. Belief is trusting that he's right. And actually, it's, it's like I opened with, in an attempt of humor, I opened with this relationship Heather and I have, that if I really want to know what makes her happy, and what I found is, over 34 years, that changes. There were some things that I could do when we started dating that made her happy. And then now those things don't make her happy anymore. We've both grown up. We've evolved beyond it. We don't collect those anymore. We don't go there anymore. We don't do this anymore. But as you can see, as we evolve, what Jesus is telling us is that the things we do for God should be about what God finds pleasure in, not what we want him to find pleasure in. We can't look at God at the end of our lives and go, at least I tried. It's meaningless. Remember, if you want to know what pleases God, listen to Jesus. And then, step B, do it. Experience it. Try it. Verse 6, Jesus replied to those Pharisees who said, you're not doing it our way. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Ooh, yikes. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. He's identifying that position is not what honors God. Submission is what honors God. We can do the things of God without honoring God at all. You see, they just wanted to be seen, so they postured. 
They were playing a role. This is when he called them a hypocrite. What he was saying was, you're actors. You're acting like you want God to receive glory, but deep inside, you just want to be noticed. And Jesus had no tolerance for that. There, there are two takes on Jesus, and none of them are, or neither one of them are accurate. There's the, there's the take of Jesus that he's just a gentle, peace-loving man who's always stroking the head of a child. And then there's the other one that he's turning over tables and he's yelling at everybody, you stink! And neither one are true. But you can see in a moment like this, Jesus is unashamed when God's glory is at risk to call people out. He is unashamed to give judgment where the glory of God is being challenged. Verse nine, and he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Now he's about to give us an example. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. It's found in Exodus 20. But you say, this is a question. We talk about this uh, regularly around here. If you and God disagree, one of you is wrong and I'm pretty sure who it is. He says, but you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift devoted to God, something designated. I want to pause here. The Jewish leaders told people that if you you made a vow to God, if you dedicated something to God, you must keep that vow at all costs. Jesus goes on. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. So he draws an example. He says, this thing called Corbin, I would basically say, and I'm just going to use money as a figure, I'm going to set $10,000 aside to do temple improvements in my town. And the Jewish leaders would accept that, and they would praise God for your generosity, and you would give this gift, and then find out that your mom and dad house just burned down, and they could use that $10,000, and you could honor your folks and provide for them. But these Jewish Pharisees said, no, no, you made a vow. And Jesus said, seriously, do you think God wants you more to honor your mother and father by taking care of their needs, or dedicate this one thing that everybody in town thinks you're awesome for? And we all know the answer, right? Jesus will always put people first. He always did. So he's pointing out to them that they could honor God in the way the Pharisees wanted them to honor God or they could honor God the way God asked them to. Our rituals and traditions may appear to the world to be right and can be very empty and damaging. Notice in verses 8 and 9, Jesus said, you let go of and you set aside. Verse 13, you've made void. You've nullified. He wants us to be careful. This does not imply that tradition is bad, only that it can easily be more emphasized than the reason behind it. Traditions don't honor God, people do. Positions we hold don't honor God, submission to what he's asked us to do does. Verses 14 and 15. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So Jesus is about to give an illustration to them of how they've misunderstood what the issue behind our traditions ought to be. Now, if you'll be patient with me, and you won't just take this text out of context to use it, we can walk safely through this and end up at a place to answer the question, when, when God sees our traditions, what does he really see? Third, honor doesn't come from habit, but from heart. This is what I want us to understand. Honoring God does not come from habit, it comes from heart. So let's do a little pop quiz here, okay? Are you ready? Is it it a good tradition to read your Bible every day? 
Is it a good tradition to set a time, aside a time of prayer every day? Is it a good tradition? I'm scared about this one. Is it a good tradition to come to church every Sunday? Okay, and is it a good tradition to give to the poor and to give to kingdom building so that other people might know about Jesus? Can you do all four of those things regularly and not have any relationship with God? Yeah. It's not the habit, it's the heart. It's the why. You see, I told you that in Heather and my relationship, the things that she's asked me to do or become or the things she desires from now are different than when we were 20 years old. Because we've both matured. And I, I found this out. It took me forever to, to realize it, but I found this out. What she really wants me to do is pay attention. That's what she wants me to do. See, love gives attention to. But she doesn't want to tell me, it'd be really nice if you did this. She wants me to figure that out. But being a dude, that's hard. But when I pay attention to certain things, every now and then I get it right. So instead of a fancy card, I used to write her fancy cards all the time. Believe it or not, I did. I gave her those cards, and they kind of lost their impact. I, she wanted me to give her words, not write words down. It was easy to hide behind a card. Now, I found out this, that she's not hard to please, but she wants me to pay attention. It's the little tiny things. I think, I, I'll be honest with you, I think one of the best things I do as a husband is look at my wife and say, do you want to eat out tonight? She finds me dang sexy at that. I know it's hard to imagine, but it works. Because she works hard. Sometimes she's tired at the end of the day and she takes that responsibility on herself. And so at the end of the day, it might be a well-placed piece of chocolate or it might be a kind word or I found out something silly like calling her in the middle of the day for no reason at all. Huh, you'd think I'd have known that by now. I'm starting to figure this thing out. If I pay attention, I'll, she'll tell me without words. Make sense? I wonder sometimes when it comes to prayer for me, if God wouldn't enjoy more of 20 minutes of me sitting in his presence and just remembering good times than it would me saying a word. Some of us don't pray because we don't know what to say. Then listen. I think it's funny when my, the four of us boys get together, I have three brothers, when we get together anytime in the house, we end up telling stories. And my favorite part is it always makes fun of my mom. She hates it and loves it at the same time. We pick on her relentlessly. And we're always telling funny stories. And she's like, I did not say that. And we're all looking at each other going, you're lying, woman, you did because the four of us remember it. And we think back of the fun things we did as kids. We think of the fights we got into that make us laugh now. We think of, we never don't think about the things we, our parents still don't know, but we talk about good things. And I just come to a conviction that if I listen to Jesus, what God wants is he wants me to give him my attention, not my words. Not, not some, for 30 minutes, God, I'm going to stand on one leg and show you how much I love you. He's like, What? I never would ask you to do that. Would you just sit and remember my goodness? Would you share with me the significance of what we've had together? Would you just stop and think back that I have been consistently faithful to you your whole life? When I sit with a cup of tea and do that with God, 20 minutes is not enough. I find myself enjoying his presence. You see, God doesn't want me to give him 20 minutes every morning so that I can tell you I give him 20 minutes every morning. God says, would you just sit and let me fill you, speak to you, and love you. Because God wants to love us. That's what pleases him. So maybe we ought to let him love us and give him our time and our attention. Verse 17. After he had left a crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For if it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, then out of his body. This is just... Pure physiology, right? 
So the food you eat and the unwashed hands, remember he's talking about the unwashed hands. Don't take this further than he's taking it. He said, I was using an illustration. They were saying, well, if you eat with unclean hands and you, you become unclean inside. And he's like, no, that's dumb. Then he says, in saying this, Jesus declares all food clean. Now, I want to pause here for a moment. This is one of those little Bible trivia pieces that are important. We believe that Mark's source, his number one source of information about the life of Jesus was the Apostle Peter. Some of you might remember in Acts chapter 10, Peter has a vision when he's not sure if the Gentiles should be allowed in the kingdom, whether God had made uh, arrangements for them. A, a, A blanket came down from heaven full of unclean animals like a pig. And the voice said, eat. Peter said, I can't do that. I don't eat unclean food. And ultimately, at the end of this little excursion with Jesus, Jesus said to him, don't call unclean what I've made clean. Isn't it interesting that Peter would tell Mark, hey, when he told us that parable, he was addressing this already and we missed it. So he says here, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And for that, we got bacon and God's people said, amen. Okay. Verse 20. If you're new here, welcome to our church. (laughs) Verse 20. He went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these things come from inside and make a man unclean. What Jesus is saying here is you can perform habits, but on the inside, you're desiring the things that God has asked you not to desire and you're pursuing the things that God's asked you not to pursue, your habits are worthless because it's not changing your heart. And then in Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah is an Old Testament prophet who was given the worst job ever by God. I want you to go preach a message nobody wants to hear that's gonna get you persecuted. I want you to preach it multiple times and you need to tell the people in Israel, especially in the city of Jerusalem, that I am sending the Babylonians to punish them for rejecting everything I've ever asked of you. That was his job. Jeremiah says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Have you ever, I'm gonna use my name, have you ever looked at yourself in a moral mirror? Have you ever reflected on yourself and thought, what are you doing, Mark? then you understand what Jeremiah is saying. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. God is touching your heart to change your habits. Your habits won't change your heart. Jeremiah is pointing this out to us. We can live in this world and not be of this world if we have dedicated our heart in submission to the glory of God rather than our own satisfaction or glory. And by pursuing God's glory and, and, and satisfying God first, we will actually find the satisfaction we most desire. You can wash your hands all day long, and it doesn't change your heart. And there are six actions, excuse me, in verses 21 to 23. If you notice this, there are six actions and there are six attitudes. The actions are sexual immorality. Huh? Is that a message for our world today? For the people that say Jesus never addressed sexual ethics, seriously? He just said here, sexual immorality. He talks about adultery. He's talking about fornication. He's talking about using our bodies as the means of our satisfaction rather than understanding we are created for something so much greater. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice. If you take those, you're basically looking at the second tablet of the Ten Commandments. 
how we treat one another. Those are actions that indicate our hearts. The attitudes that produce those actions, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Jesus is saying to his audience, these things come when you and I are struggling with these things. It's not our actions, our habits that are going to fix this. It's a heart issue. And what pleases God most is what will please your children most, will, cheat, will, will please your spouse most, will please your friends most, is when you're attentive to them and you're giving them your heart. When you're giving them who you are, not just what you do. This is where honoring God happens or doesn't at the heart level. Now, I want to pause because I think one of the things I get worried about is what I don't say is often read as what I do say. So I need to say this. Some might wonder, does this mean I can do anything I want with my body if it doesn't touch my heart? And the answer is, eh, no. Here's what I want you to know. A surrendered heart expects more of the body than a defiant heart ever could. How do you please God? It's not just with the thoughts of the heart. It's how the heart motivates the actions of your life. We have been freed from sin. We have been also freed to not sin. God has given us the power through his Holy Spirit. Notice all the way back in verse 6, Jesus said, Your hearts are far from me. So as I head to conclusion, I want to share with you a couple of passages of Scripture that will show you that this is not just my interpretation. It's found throughout Scripture. You want to know how to please God? Listen to Jesus and do what he says. Psalm 24. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false? He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. He says, who can be in the presence of God? And the answer is, those who have clean hands and pure hearts. Well, how do I get clean hands and pure hearts? You pursue God first. And he will cleanse your hands by changing your heart. He will change your appetites. The things that you hunger for now, the things you thirst for now that you wish you didn't, that when you yell at yourself in your moral mirror like I do every day going, why are you doing this, Mark? When you ask yourself that question, it's because you're trying to live by a strength that you do not possess instead of a spirit you could possess. You open your heart. Second Chronicles chapter 30, Hezekiah prays this powerful prayer. He says, May the Lord who is good pardon everyone who sets his heart on seeking God. The Lord, the God of his fathers, even if he is not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. Did you catch that? I think Jesus knew his Bible. They came to him and said, you didn't wash your hands before your meal and your disciples never washed their hands. You don't do it our way. And Jesus said, isn't that funny? Because Hezekiah prayed that may the Lord who is good pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking him even if they don't, are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. Hmm. Romans six seventeen. But thanks be to God. Notice where this all comes from. I'm not saying try harder. I'm saying surrender harder. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. You want to know what makes God pleased? You want to know what makes him happy? You want, you want to know what the equivalent for God is? That you might leave that piece of chocolate or you might give that phone call in the afternoon or you just might choose not to be so grumpy and moody and just actually come home nice? 
You want to know what brings pleasure in his home? Listen to what Jesus told us. Here's what it was. I'm just going to give you four things because I want you to walk out of here today knowing that you are capable by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're capable because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And you're capable because of the goodness of our Father to do these things from your heart. Obedience to his will and glory. Do what he asks you to do so that people see God in you. They see the work of Jesus in you. They, they see the presence of the Spirit in you. They see the power and the change and the redemption. Confess your sins and, open, and be open to correction. She's in the room, so she's going to know how hard for the, me to say this is. The hardest thing for me to ever say to Heather, the entire time we've dated through marriage is, I'm not good at this. I've never been a girl. I don't get you. I've never been a husband before. I've never been a dad before. She's not hard on me. I'm harder on myself than she is. But at the end of the day, it's like, I just have to confess to her, can you help me? That's hard. My relationship with God's the same way. I said, God, I'm not good at being good. And he's like, oh, brother, tell me. Now, instead, he looks at me and he goes, listen, you're doing fine. Because I never made this about your goodness. I made it about mine. Third, forgive, forgive those who have hurt us and be open to the need to be forgiven. So yeah, I blew that. There's a birthday in Heather's lifetime that I trashed. I still live, truthfully, with regret over that. Tried to work really hard afterwards to figure out I'd never do that again. But asking for forgiveness took a long time. And it wasn't just words forgiveness. It was a repentant heart that wants to change its appetites. And hungering for God's presence. Obey, confess, forgive, and pursue Some of you need to take a walk today. Some of you need to do what Jesus would do and wrap up in a blanket with a cup of tea and watch the masters. And you just need to spend some time with God, unrushed, unhurried, asking God to forgive, to help you become who you want. Ask God, what do you desire from me? And then listen to the words of Jesus and do it. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.